The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is M.I.P. With Massimella Mark Thompson. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've not subscribed to PressRun.media, you are really missing something. And you know, we talk about um, his fearless analysis of the media and of journalism, um, but what he's doing is taking a great deal of courage and I think he's gotten even more fearless. And now I've been an activist all my life, but sometimes, you know, Eric does stuff and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I would have said that. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I've done some controversial things, but um, no, it's important. And, and, you know, fearlessness is the key. A great man once said, the secret of life is to have no fear. Who else is doing it? Who else is, is calling out the media for its, its contradictions, its inconsistency? Um, just what Eric wrote about the whole court packing. I mean, that is a glaring example of media complicity with the Trump administration. We'll, we'll get into that. But we're happy to have back with us once again from PressRun.media, Eric Bolet. Eric, how you doing, buddy? I'm hanging in there. Yeah, it's upon us. So I, I, I want to get to the court packing, which really isn't a word and we shouldn't be used. But yeah. first, I was giving, trying to give Twitter some credit, credit on the this <laughs> story. So what? They they flipped on it or what? Yeah, yeah. So they. Um you know, after the 2016 fiasco with the, when Russia hacked the emails and lots of news outlets just treated it as well, it's, it's news, right? So in, in, in 2016, people were pressing, well, you know, these are stolen documents. Well, it, it, but it's Hillary Clinton, so everything's fair game. And you know, that trip trip, you know, really killed her campaign. So to their credit, Facebook and Twitter were trying to revise their, um, some of their guidelines. And they came up with, if, if a story is based on stolen or hacked information, um, we're not going to, we're not going to allow it. Twitter. So this is all based on that ridiculous New York Post story on Hunter, on Hunter Biden, obviously a, a product of Russian intelligence and Rudy Giuliani. Um, and so it was just a classic desperation uh, throw by the Trump campaign to try to gin up the 2016 campaign again and emails and things like that. 
Uh, and Twitter uh, locked, just locked it down, said you cannot, basically you cannot retweet this link. Uh, it's based on stolen documents. Mm-hmm. Facebook was less draconian, but they clearly limited the spread of that story. And you look at it and you say, well, you know, it worked. This is, you know, this is a rare, you know, sign of hope. Good to media organizations standing up to the GOP, standing up to misinformation, saying we have new guidelines. And if you don't like it, tough luck. And, and Twitter said, well, we were kidding. Twitter said, well, we're going to we, we're going to change our, you know, we're going to we're going to cave. Uh, because what happened, Fox News and Republicans and everyone went ballistic, called it censorship, called it this, called it that. So it's it's really just wash, rinse, repeat. I mean, we have seen uh, the entire Republican movement just absolutely hammer these social media companies for years. It started in 2016 when there was this bogus claim that, you know, uh, Google, you know, social media and tech giants, Google was censoring conservative news. And it's just been an absolute hallmark of the re, of the Republican and conservative movement. There's this martyrdom. You know, they don't have a voice. Every day, if you look at the top 10 stories on Facebook, they get spread. Every day, that they're all conservative. Every day. <laughs> so this idea, you know, the Republicans don't have a voice on, on Facebook or Twitter is ridiculous. So, yeah, you know... The, you know, they stood up for, you know, Twitter found its spine for 12 hours and then they decided to cave. Uh, I don't know what they expected. You know, if you're going to do something like this, if you're going to say, we're going to make a stand, we're going to do the right thing. We're not going to allow, you know, Russian intelligence to spread information in a campaign again. Then you stand by that. Then you understand the pushback is going to be ferocious. You know, Fox News is going to lay into you all day. The Republican Party is going to call for hearings. They're going to try to subpoena you. You know that's coming, and just prepare for it. <laughs> you don't. You don't create new stat. You know. You know. You don't create new guidelines saying we're going to take a stand for six hours until we get scared. But this is what happens. This is what we call working the refs. You know, Republicans are using the exact same. Um, strategy they used against, you know, the mainstream media, newspapers, television uh, for decades, going back to Spiro Agnew. In the last five years, they looked around in the media landscape. They said, oh, this is where the power is. This, this social media and Google, they have the power, not local newspapers. We're going to leave them alone. We're going to focus all our ire, all our uh, anger on these uh, social media and, and Google we are going to make their lives a living hell. We're going to hold hearings. Um, and, and unfortunately, social media companies and Google's are respond, and Google is responding just like newspapers and television networks responded for 30 years, uh, completely spooked by these, by these attacks, changing their policies, running scared. Um, so the reason the Republicans work the refs is because it works. It works. Yeah. It works. It works. It works. And unfortunately, Democrats won't even kind of get in the ring. Um, always has worked. No. Fortunately. Always. Um, but, I mean, let's be honest. Th- that's also a manifestation of the media juggernaut that the white right wing built. Yes. That liberals and those on the left just didn't. I mean, everybody went to sleep as they began to take over local radio stations and Rush Limbaugh. So we saw this this coming. But, you know, you just said something, you know, something I didn't think about until you said it. And and you always inspire that kind of intellectual thought in me, Eric. 
if we know that this and other stories are Russian propaganda, right, and Russian propaganda is disseminated on Russian-owned state media, if any of these outlets or social media promote those stories, I mean, Twitter was right to begin with, you're right, they gave, gave in, but if you re-disseminate that coming from Russia knowingly, then might we as well just say that Putin is not only controlling Russian media, but is enabled to control ours, at least indirectly. If you're pushing out what he's pushing out, right? what's the difference? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, again, there's, there's kind of rays of hope from compared to 2016, because uh, this Hunter Biden's, the Biden story did not, was not played the way the Hillary Clinton story was played. The New York Times the next day, its main news story was about, you know, it wasn't on the front page. It wasn't big revelation. It was basically how the story fell apart within hours. And it was kind of, the, um, you know, the, the murkiness around the story. Both the New York Times and the Washington Post today have, have pretty large stories about how um, the White House was uh, warned about Rudy Giuliani basically being a pawn of the Russian intelligence. I mean, that's where we are. One of the Trump's closest advisors. So the good news is, uh, you know, Russia tried to play its card. They, you know, they worked with Bannon. They worked with Rudy. They worked with the New York Post. Here's the blockbuster story. Uh, and a lot of news organizations, unlike 2016, looked at it and said, hey, let's use our heads. Let's see what's happening. Who's pulling the strings here? Do we really want to go down that road again? Um, uh, so that was the good news. And I think the story was so preposterous. It, it, did, it didn't take a lot of courage to say, you know, we're going to pass on the story. Uh, but again, as we, you know, as we discussed, Twitter and Facebook tried to do the right thing. Uh, they tried to learn from 2016. But in the end, they can't get over the, the final hurdle, which is just standing up to these bullies. And that's why the press has failed for has failed so often during the last four years is they just can't get over that hurdle. We're going to stand up to Trump. We're going to stand up to the bullying. And, and we don't care what what the consequences are. Um, and, and we kind of saw that with the, you know, the, the controversy over the Trump town hall debate, <laughs> you know, that, um, you know, that the NBC town hall um, and, and why that even came about and, and, and why. And why the most consistently unpopular president in American history, someone who is now facing a potential landslide defeat, why is he able to bully people still? I mean, so, you know, traditionally, if you're, if you're afraid of a bully, you're afraid of someone powerful. You're afraid of someone bigger than you. <laughs> you're afraid of someone who can make your life miserable. How? I don't know. I mean, you know... We, we both watched how the press got bullied by George Bush and the Republican Party after, you know, 9-11, right. you know, pre, before the Iraq war. When Trump, when, when uh, you know, Bush was polling at 73 percent, how do you get bullied by someone polling at 36 percent? I've just never understood that. It's it just never made any sense. But over and over it, it happens. But, Eric, you and I have been talking for years. Is is it him bullying or in the segue to NBC, is it um, the um, the need to 
make money off of and mm. build advertisements off of the rubbernecking car accident mm. if it leads it leads i mean again I, you cannot tell me that no one in nbc didn't see how questionable their integrity would be yeah to do that to reward someone who wouldn't do uh, a safe, socially distant debate in a pandemic, right. Right. to do the opposite and have it with an audience and then put it at precisely the opposite. They at least could have put it at a different time. Yeah, right. But but you yeah. put it at, the, at the precisely the same time as Joe Biden, who was willing. I mean, that's why we have a commission on presidential debates. He was an example of, of this is what happens when you don't have that, because that's supposed to at least have some right. semblance of something. Right. Ratings, advertising dollars. I mean, what what is that bullying or, or them? I mean, what was he going to do to NBC? Yeah, right. exactly. Well, you're right. You know, Comcast, right? What you know, what kind of regulations is he going to hold over his, their head? So that's always been the question, right? Is it is is it cowardice? Is it indifference? Is it money? I think in the long term, Trump has been great. Trump has been great for the news media or the, for the national news media. Uh, clicks and ratings, New York Times subscriptions are through the roof uh, as they market themselves as a whole, you know, kind of a resistance to Trump. In the short term, though, you know, the NBC thing didn't make any sense. Um, as as I certainly predict, and I think a lot of people did, you know, it turns out Trump got a, a smaller audience than Joe Biden. So that that was obvious. Trump has consistently been uh, a ratings failure, you know, and it's not just NBC. Uh, a year ago last summer, ABC, for no apparent reason, uh, carved out an hour of its primetime schedule in August. And they said, oh, we're going to have a we're going to have a, a, a new special with Donald Trump. And the hook was where, you know, ABC followed them around for 24 hours. There wasn't a sentence of news within that entire uh, ABC primetime special, and it flopped. It was a huge flop. Huge. I think it came in third in its time slot. So it, it's kind of this. And you know, cable news. Everyone says, "Oh, the ratings are through the roof." They're they're not. They're not. Uh, CNN, yes, in the campaign year, everyone's gone up a little bit. But CNN during the Trump years is basically in its primetime ratings are basically where they were for the Obama years. And it's not like everybody's printing money. So that's always been. I I've, I've been tr- I've been wrestling with that for four years. Uh, if, it, if it was crystal clear, obvious that Trump is just absolutely generating revenues and profits, uh, that'd be one thing. Now, I'm contradicting myself because I just keep going back and forth. I will say that basically every White House reporter who has written a book, um, it's just it's absolute gravy train. I mean, they're all getting you know six figure uh, book advances. Uh, and if you haven't written a, a Trump book and you, and you work in D.C., then you haven't been something you haven't been doing something right. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think money plays, I think overall in the long term, money plays uh, a big role in it, but it certainly does not, and it certainly doesn't explain the NBC. I mean, the NBC thing was thrown together. So last minute, it's not like they went out and sold ads. They just put whatever ads they already had in the pipeline. It wasn't like, oh, we're going to have Trump. We're going to triple our ad rates. It doesn't work that way. So there was no, absolutely no economic advantage for NBC. Chuck Todd was quoted saying how he was kept out of the loop. No, you know, nobody told us. MSNBC, Rachel Maddow was clearly, you know, not pleased that the thing had aired uh, on MSNBC. This was strictly, strictly from what we can see, 
an NBC, not even an NBC News decision, or maybe not an NBC, if, if we believe Chuck Todd, it wasn't an NBC politics decision. It was either an NBC News or just straight up NBC Comcast decision that, you know, the guy who blew up the Biden debate, we're going to give him his time slot. And oh, yeah, as you see, it was only a 60 minute uh, event. Could have been nine o'clock, could have been 10 o'clock, could have been seven o'clock. But Trump clearly, one of his uh, demands was it's got to be exactly the same time Biden's on. Yeah. And what's the, con- and just real quick, what's the context for this? Why was the, why was Trump even available for a town hall? Because during the first, A, he got infected with COVID, so there had to be a socially distanced debate. And I think more importantly, the, the, the debate commission was definitely moving towards cutting off people's mics because Trump at the first debate acted like a maroon, like a, a moron, a madman, a lunatic, a maniac. Yeah. So that's the context to all this. It wasn't just like, oh, there was a scheduling snafu and, oh, suddenly Trump's available. Let's give him. He was available because he's a maniac, because he's a madman. And he couldn't, you know, he didn't he, he chickened out of a debate. So why would you reward? Why would you enable him? Why would you reward him? And, re- and real quick, Margaret Sullivan, uh, the media columnist of The Washington Post, she said this is this just reiterates you know, the media's biggest failure of the Trump year uh, of the Trump era which is that every time they just give him unlimited access, just unlimited access. Uh, We've seen it with the pandemic briefings, the White House briefings. The day Trump arrived at the White House, the cable news channels decided overnight that every White House briefing had to be carried live and in full. The previous six months of the Obama administration, cable news covered 6% of those White House briefings, according to Media Matters. They have covered 100% since Trump showed up. Why? Why are we inventing access rules? Why is Trump, you know? And, and it's this media myth that Trump is this cultural phenomenon, that America hangs on his every words. Most of America tuned this guy out probably two or three years ago. I mean, it's exhausting. Why would you not if you had the option? I mean, but, you know, the media still treats him as this reality TV star. And, oh, my gosh, this amazing roller coaster. And what's he going to say next? Nobody cares what he's going to say next. That's why that's why he's going to lose in a landslide. Yeah, yeah. Um, I hope you're right about that. Yeah. Let me come back to that for a minute, though. Again, I'm still dealing with Putin because, again, you just said something else. He blew up the debate, the debate commission. Yeah. So not only did NBC reward and enable him, but they played into, you know, um, Putin's stock and trade destabilization. Yeah. Destabilize NATO. You destabilize America. You destabilize the UN. You destabilize the election. You're also going to destabilize an institution that's kind of been going along pretty non-controversially for years. That's the Commission on Presidential Debates. When have they ever had drama like this? And so we're going to destabilize that even. Everything. Everything. So you do you reward that? I mean, at what point do you stop and think, well, we, we've been covering Russia. We know Russia's all around him. Why wouldn't we, why would we take the bait of participating in further destabilization? And then NBC brings the destabilization on. When have we seen viral hashtag boycott NBC? I mean, what company needs that? <laughs> so it's, it's, it's crazy. 
Yeah, and an hour before, you know, tr- tr- uh, Trump goes on Twitter, oh, I'm going to do this fake forum with fake NBC. I call it Concast. Uh, it's hard to see. It's hard to see what the um, the benefits were. The the, the the networks in particular seem to be absolutely obsessed with access to this White House. Again, even in the waning days of someone who, by all indications, is heading for a landslide. Do you think the networks were obsessed with access to the Carter White House three weeks before he got demolished by uh, Ronald Reagan? I mean, what are we talking about? Why would you bow down? We This is the most, you know, in, uh, historically, or, or bowing down to the W White House when he was polling at 27%. Uh, we've never, it, it's just bizarre. So uh, yeah, the, the networks, are really have always been obsessed with access and your point about blowing up everything right it's it's this tasmanian devil approach you know everything he touches you know he he wants to destabilize and make chaotic uh and and so he decided that you know that there's supposed to be a debate next thursday i don't i don't know if it's going to happen you know biden says you know trump needs to be tested obviously that's the bare bones uh ask a requirement I think there's a 50-50 chance that debate won't happen because something, you know, Trump will make up another excuse uh, between now and then. And if you've rewarded him this way, why would he? Maybe someone else will give him an out and do it. It's interesting you mentioned Carter. Um, I'm going to be talking to Jonathan Alter. Oh, good, good, yeah. Um, And Jimmy Carter was actually, I, I was 13 in 1980, about to turn 14, but the Carter-Reagan race was really uh, the moment in my life where I was fully introduced to electoral politics. Yeah, yeah. But what were they covering, as a matter of fact, Eric, three weeks out? The story was the hostages. Yeah. It clearly cost Carter the election, fairly unfairly, what people want to say. I lost my youthful innocence in January of 81, when Reagan took his hand off the Bible and then announced the hostages were free. Okay, I wasn't a kid anymore here. That whatever, I might've remained a kid a few years longer, I don't know. (laughs) But I was like, no, that doesn't sound right to me. But again, fairness, objectivity. Carter's running free election, hostages, hostages. This is Nightline, day 451. Where is this is mainstream media day whatever of the coronavirus, 215,000 people dead? Where is the, the ticking clock like yep. there was on the hostages? If So again, Jimmy Carter's Democrat. If Jimmy Carter is overseeing a pandemic and oh. it's 50,000 people dead, what's, what's the coverage, you know? I mean, uh, I don't have to remind you during Ebola. I mean, there, there was a there was a press narrative. Uh, this was going to end the Obama presidency. You know, two Americans died and they didn't they weren't affected in the United States. The famous Bloomberg um, well, back then it was Bloomberg Newsweek magazine coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Ebola was like a blood swipe across the uh, I, I mean, people were absolutely saying that could end the Obama administration. I mean, imagine if 215,000 people had died of Ebola. So, uh, and, and, you know, the double standard, and this, this is something that just came up and I tweeted about last week. Lindsey Graham has been 
just begging for money, right? He's getting demolished. And one of the things he did during the Barrett hearings uh, in the halls of Congress during a TV interview, um, right. he, he solicited campaign funds in Congress. Everyone knows it's against the law. And I pointed out, you know, when Al Gore made fundraising calls from the White House, that was a three-year news story. And the New York Times demanded an independent uh, counsel be appointed to investigate this shocking misuse of power. Uh, Lindsey Graham does it in, in broad daylight. Everyone knows it's illegal. There's not, a, there's not a sitting member of Congress who doesn't understand you can't solicit campaign funds uh, on Capitol Hill. And, you know, and everybody just shrugs. Everybody just shrugs. Look, I understand there's, you know, scandal overload. You talked about, you know, the, the, the Russian strategy of just blowing everything up. Trump has absolutely just flooded the zone um, with news. And he doesn't care if it's bad news for him. Uh, and, and, and the press is showing it, it just cannot keep up with the torrent of lies and the torrent of misinformation and the torrent of, of corruption. Even those who, there's some, as you know, some people we know um, who live by the rule, any news coverage is good news coverage, but they don't, yeah. even if it's bad. But if they you're a narcissist like him, yeah. Right, but they don't seek the drama and the foolishness he's seeking. I've never heard of QAnon, but they're really against pedophilia. I mean, if, if you're on the couch it, with your psychiatrist and you said it out loud, that appointment gets extended. It doesn't end when that works up because you got on, what do you, what, so, okay. Here's the other thing that really makes me want to pull my hair out. Yeah. Oh my God, court packing. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And you know, Eric, there's a real little difference between you and me. So when you wrote that, I mean, you were speaking for me truly. Oh, good, good, good. I mean, what in the world? And I don't know if we have the numbers, but the, the, the mainstream media casually bringing up court packing, court packing, court packing, court packing has to be uh, putting that on Democrats. Them bringing that up has to um, be disproportionate to their coverage of the real court packing and Mitch McConnell putting over 200 oh, yeah. unqualified judges. Right, right. You know, Kamala answered at the debate, but I, I really wish I could have scripted her with your article that night so she could have really, I mean, she didn't do bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She said, you want to talk about court packing, but if we could have just said, wait a minute, let's really break down what court packing is and why should we be forced right. as Democrats to answer that question? Yeah, it's a classic, it's a classic example of, of Republicans setting the narrative and, and Republicans setting the language. Court packing Look, if you're talking about FDR, which is when it went back, you know, he introduced legislation. He wanted to get the Supreme Court up to 15. He mostly wanted to do it to get people to start retiring and things like that. It didn't go anywhere. So historically, that's where the phrase come, came from. But if you use it now, it's, it's a Republican pejorative. Uh, you can talk about expanding the court. You can talk about reforming the report, the court. As I, put, as I pointed out in my column, the Associated Press has been out in front of this and doing a good job. When they talk about court packing, they describe it as a phrase critics use to uh, to explain reform uh, in their headlines. The Associated Press talks about, uh, you know, is Biden going to expand the court? That's what that's the accurate way to be using it. But particularly, you know, after that vice presidential debate and, and Kamala got that question all last weekend, everywhere uh, Biden and when are you going to pack the court? Are you going to pack the court? That's a Republican talking point. 
there's a reason uh, Fox News uses that phrase 10 times more than CNN and MSNBC does. So this is just a classic example of how uh, either consciously or subconsciously, the Beltway Press just embraces GOP language, embraces GOP talking points. And you can go way beyond that. I mean, you know, uh, Trump still won't release his taxes. He still won't release basic information about his health. But, but Biden has to spell out, you know, possible hypothetical judicial strategies for two years from now. No, not really. He doesn't. And, and, and also, I, you know, again, you know, the court expansion, particularly about a week ago, was getting a ton of press coverage. I couldn't find four voters quoted in any kind of article report who cared about this. But within the Beltway Press, that for a while, though, that was the number one issue. Why? Because Republicans said it was the number one issue. Right. So come on, let, let's let's break that connection. Uh, let's be accurate. Let's be let's um, let's not use, you know, Republican phraseology. If you want to talk about expanding the court, uh, talk about expanding the court. If Biden says he's not going to give you an answer, why do you have to ask him 48 times? I mean, just there's your news story. Leave it to voters. If voters care, that would hurt Biden. I don't think anybody cares. Right. And you're right. Why does he have to answer? Yeah. Questions that Trump doesn't. And how about uh, uh, Amy, Amy Coney Barrett? There was, a, uh, by one count, she refused to ask 95 questions during three days. She's not going to tell you anything about anything. She's going to have a lifetime appointment on the Supreme Court. And Joe Biden's got to give you, no, it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't really work that way. A, a friend had a great analogy, you know, people pressuring Biden and some people criticism, criticizing him for not answering, which they shouldn't be. But he was like, y'all watch basketball. Have you ever heard of Four Corners? Yeah, right. in the league. Yeah, exactly. Four Corners time. You know, let, let's not. And then, you know, they say things that I have people. Well, I don't like that answer. I said, you never heard of Four Corners? Forget right. it. Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> oh, and, and, and here's one other quick point. You know, Republicans say, oh, this court hasn't changed in 150 years. And the press kept repeating this line from uh uh, Mike Pence in the debate, it's been since 1850 since we've changed the number of, uh, of seats on the Supreme Court, excuse me, from February 2016 to April 2017, there were eight justices because the Republican Party stripped a seat on that court. You cannot talk about expanding the court or changing the number of justices and leave out the fact that Republican parties eliminated a seat for an entire year. So come on. I mean, this is this is. I'm, you got to have a little context here. If they'll listen to me, that I'm going to clip what you just said and tell them to use that for the commercial in January. Yeah, to expand the court. This is uh, the, well. You know, <laughs> and and again, I've seen some polling. Uh, well, the a expanding the court, it, it's kind of it, it, it's a difficult issue to poll because it's complicated, and so the numbers are coming back. Well, po people don't you know people don't approve that. Let me tell you. When, when Amy Conant Barrett helps make Obamacare illegal in this country, when she makes uh, abortion illegal in this country, those polling numbers on expanding the court are going to change and they're going to change overnight. And people are going to look around and say, what country are we living in? Where 75 percent of Americans support choice, 75 percent of Americans support Obamacare. And we have a 6-3 court saying, oh, we're going back to uh, we're going back to 1968 in terms of choice. We're going back to. Uh, you know, 10 years on healthcare. So the idea that it's not popular, 
trust me, if this court turns out to be as radical as everyone fears, those numbers are going to change overnight. And 57% of Americans don't support hearings for her appointment no, right now. Not. Yeah. So that's real. It's something you alluded to before we go earlier. Uh, you sound confident that Biden's going to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's, you know, I was confident that Hillary was going to win. So that's always my caveat. But look, I, you know, so much has happened. And I think, A, I wrote the piece over the summer, you know, why aren't attacks sticking to Biden the way they did Hillary? Because he's a white man. <laughs> and white men in American politics have certain built-in advantages. Uh, Trump, you know, Biden's been in the, in, in, in the beltway for almost 50 years. Uh, but somehow they're not able to paint him as, you know, this, this institutionalist, this villainous, you know, kind of creepy person the way they were able to paint Hillary Clinton. Look, the press wanted to go to war to, with Hillary Clinton in 2016. The press teamed up with the Republican campaign because they despised her. The press doesn't want to go to war with Joe Biden. They kind of like Joe Biden. Um, so the sad part is that's the role of sexism and misogyny in American politics. The good news is Democrats don't have to deal with that nonsense this time around. And also, my God, I mean, you know, back then, a lot of people thought, oh, you know, Trump's a, you know, I used to watch him on TV. Let's have a businessman, you know, and frankly, millions of people in the back of their mind were thinking, well, if Barack Obama can do it. Anyone can do it. Right. This doesn't look that hard. Let's put this guy in the White House. Um, and, and so uh, I think all of those vast majority of those suburban voters who did that who didn't want a woman president, quite frankly. Look at the economy, look at COVID, look at all, look at the insanity on Twitter and, and, and the screaming and the shouting. Um, so I think I, he's dug himself such a massive hole at this point. Look, the only reason, the only reason I know other Democrats are nervous or they're afraid he's gonna steal the election. I mean, if this is a fair up and down vote, then it's not a conversation, but everyone in the, everyone in the back of their mind is, is, is wondering, you know, Amy, you know, what, you know, is he going to take some bogus court case to the Supreme Court and it's going to be Bush versus Gore all over again? That's the only thing any Democrat I know is worried about. Folks, Eric Bowler, please subscribe to PressRun.media. You will be more informed and even more intelligent because of it. Trust me on that PressRun.media. Eric, good to see you, buddy. All right. Have a good week. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, subscribe, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been Made Plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.